Good morning. We're going to begin a new sermon series this morning, and my job is to introduce it and then to, to begin a few of the different uh, topics here. I really believe that uh, the things that we're going to study in this series are transformational in nature. And what I mean by that is as we understand them, they're uh, intensely practical, but as we understand them and apply them into our life, we're going to see change. We're going to see a difference in our character and our behavior internally, but also towards one another. And so the next series that we're going to go over here is Love One Another. And there are several, several things to talk about on the depth of what it means to love one another. And so we're going to go over a few of them, but we're also going to introduce it this morning. So let's ask the Lord to to really help us to uh, allow us to understand the simplicity of what is being said, uh, and yet get a hold of how, um, how hard it is and, and really learn that we need to rely on the Spirit to, to obey this command. So let's pray. Father, we come before you knowing that without you we can do nothing. Knowing that uh, without you we don't have a chance to obey what you have said we need to obey. Father, this is for our joy, this is for our good, and so we pray, God, uh, that your Spirit would really transform us with the truth of your Word and the truth of your message. Father, I pray that uh, we would open our hearts to the possibility that things need to change, the possibility that in our own hearts we need to make room for the idea that there is things that, that need to be altered to please you more. And God, as we take on this, this enormous undertaking of these love one another passages, I, I pray that as a church body, that you would grow us, that you would cause us to lean on you and, and, and in doing so that we would get closer together, that we would push one another, that we would uh, just really have a sense of unity. We pray this from your name because you're the only one that has the power to accomplish these things. So in faith we believe. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you could, to uh, the first passage that we'll be looking at. It's going to be John 13. So if you turn your Bibles there, and we'll uh, begin there. Last night was perfect sleeping weather in my room. Perfect. The fan was gently blowing across my face, and the nice, cool chill was in the air, and I was cuddled up underneath the covers, So much so that this morning when my alarm went off, I thought maybe I should stay under these covers. But last night was a perfect sleeping temperature in my room. Who here needs the perfect sleeping temperature to find their depth of sleep? Anyone else picky about? Okay, thank you. My wife and I have different sleeping temperatures. That causes I'm large and I sweat and I get hot when she turns it above 60. And so we have a, we have, no, not quite that, but. She likes it warm, and I like it cold, so I can bundle other. Anyways, so last night I'm sleeping, and I hear this little voice, and it's funny, you can tell your kids' voices even when you're half awake and when they're whispering, Mommy. Oh, that's Benson. And right away I knew that it was Benson. And it's funny, he went to Mommy's side of the bed, and and, uh, he said, Mommy, I just can't stop itching. I can't stop itching. Well, Benson has gotten bitten by something we're not quite sure, but he's getting these hives, and so we're giving him uh, allergy medicine to make them go away. And so in the middle of the night, his medication wore off, and so he's itching. 
And my wife, I got to witness genuine, unconditional love last night. And I'm not trying to embarrass my wife because just as many times as she's shown genuine, unconditional love, she's also told them to go back to bed. So, <laughs> But last night, I, I experienced and witnessed her as she very sweetly got out of bed, brought Benson downstairs, got him some Benadryl, covered his whole body in cortisone cream, and then put him, tucked him back into bed. And I just kind of grunted. You know, I didn't even have to move. It's funny how the kids have learned what side of the bed to go to if they need unconditional love in the middle of the night. But that leads to the question, I want to ask you this. Who is or which person in your life do you feel has genuinely loved you the most? And we all know that the person, Jesus Christ, has loved us the most of anyone. But aside from Christ, genuinely, in your life, who has loved you the most? And here's another question to think about that you can answer as we go through these, this series. What did this person do to make you feel loved this way? What did this person do to make you feel loved this way? And the word do is important because there was an action involved when that person loved you. Just like last night, Abby could have said, I love you, Benson, go back to sleep. And yet that wouldn't have been true love, wouldn't it? See, true love wakes up and goes and takes care of. There's an action. And so hopefully someday as Benson looks back at his childhood, he'll, he'll understand when the question is asked, which person do you feel genuinely loved you the most? It's going to be easy. That's mom. That's mom had the purest, most genuine love for me. The series that uh, we'll be talking about again, I said it's intensely practical. And uh, it'll be a roadmap that I believe defines what true love is. And not only de- defines what true love is, but it will demonstrate really clearly what it looks like to love. And so if we've ever thought of when, when Jesus says love one another, and we thought, well, that's kind of ambiguous. What is love anyways? How do you define love? Well, this will do a good job, I believe, in describing or defining what love is. And it's amazing because love is always, at least demonstrated in this, an action. Love is always a carrying out of obedience towards someone else, and we'll, we'll find that. So you're in your Bible at John 13, and we'll read here. Set the stage a little bit. This is uh, Jesus near the very end of his life, hours, really hours, from when he would go to the cross. And so here we, we see uh, Christ saying to his disciples a new commandment. So verse 34. Let's start in verse 33, actually. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. So this new commandment thing, what were, what were the commandments that the Jewish people and then thereby the disciples who were Jewish men, what was the commandments that they held dearest at this point? What, what would they have been? Give you a hint, Moses instituted the Ten Commandments. And, and secured in the heart of a Jewish uh, man or woman was this 
devotion and love for the Ten Commandments. It was their gauge of what was right and what was wrong. And they knew without a doubt that that was true. It was from the Lord and it was something that they should pattern their life after. And so when Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, whoa, their ears perk up. This is important. Now, they also should have caught on, and I think they would have after the fact, that this was some of the last things that Jesus would say, and, and typically the things that people say at the very end of their life become very important to listen to. And there's extra emphasis that's placed on them. And so here Jesus is, hours from his betrayal, on the, or he's actually going to be betrayed, but hours from his death on the cross. And here he is saying to them, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Much of my message will come from this uh, study book by Don McKinn. It's Love One Another. Very practical, uh, very good. Um, and so I wanted to state up front that much of what um, I'm speaking on today just, just comes directly from the teachings of other people as they teach me. So this is a, a, a book that Mark found for us to look through, and I'm really pleased with it. But I want to read a little bit here about uh, how he paints the picture here with Jesus spe- speaking to his disciples. Imagine then the stir that Jesus must have caused when in, during his final conversation with his disciples in the upper room, he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. He then uttered three phrases. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In these three short phrases, Jesus issued, and if you could, I want you to write these down in the yellow notes that you have because this is important. And this is going to be a pattern that we see throughout all the one another's whereby to test the, the one another's. But in these three short phrases, Jesus issued a declaration, which was love one another, a design, as I have loved you, and a distinction. Your love for others will be the distinguishing mark of God on your life. So the declaration, love one another, the design, as I have loved you, And the distinction, your love for others, will be the distinguishing mark of God on your life. And so let's look at these things. Jesus says to love one another. He was telling the disciples that they needed to have investment of love in each other's lives. And then the design or or how to do it, he said, as I have loved you. So now all the disciples realize, okay, I have to love Peter And I have to love him the way that Jesus loved me. And then Jesus makes a radical statement here. He says, the way that you guys love each other and the way that you show that and carry that out, it's going to become obvious to everyone that sees you doing that, that you belong to me. You see, baptism is a really public commitment, isn't it? When you're baptized, you're in front of everyone and you're declaring, I was dead in my sins and now because of Christ I am risen in my new creation, just like he rose from the dead and conquered over death and sin. And publicly you're displaying, I belong to Jesus. 
likewise, Jesus is saying here that when you love one another, you're publicly displaying and declaring, I belong to Jesus. Have you ever had a time when you were in a restaurant and you got a, uh, a waitress or a waiter that was just really kind to you, really went the extra mile, they took care of you, and by their conduct and their action towards you, you started to think, I, I wonder if they know Jesus. Have you ever been in a store and needed some help with something and, and the person or the clerk that came to help you, they, they showed you kindness and love and patience and you started to wonder, man, I wonder if this person knows Jesus. And have you ever met someone randomly and started a, a friendship without knowing their background or even what they stood for and the way they treated you led you to believe this guy has to know Jesus. That's a thrilling, thrilling thing. And sometimes it becomes so obvious. I've had this when I've been working with, with clients that it just becomes so obvious that I'm now openly sharing my faith and, and, and basically just assuming that they're believers. And, and it's true. Yeah, they are believers. It just becomes so tangible that these people know the same God that I know. And so then the statement of Jesus comes, becomes so true that you will know them by their love. And so as we as a church look to improve and, and increase our efforts for evangelism, let's not overlook the major, major role that love one another will have in our ability to let others know about the Savior. Let's keep reading. But how can love be explained? And more important, demonstrated. When God says to love one another, what are we to do? Surely love is more than an ethereal concept or a heightened feeling. And woven throughout the fabric of the New Testament are a series of clear and practical tools for loving others. We call them the one another's. 36 times in the New Testament we see a recurring word pattern, an action verb followed by the words one another. In English grammar, this phrase is called a reciprocal pronoun. I am to act a certain way towards you, and then you should act the same way towards me. Notice that Jesus' statement in John thirteen thirty four follows this pattern. Love, an action, a verb. One another, that reciprocal pronoun. I believe that this particle, one another, love one another, is the overarching commandment and the other 35 are sub-commandments. What he's saying here is that this love one another is the big one. And then we see these 36 other one another's that come underneath it. And as we see it set up this way, we understand that these other one another's are really ways that we can love one another. He goes on to prove his premise, and he does it in a really neat, neat way. And this will be a pattern or, or a test that we can follow. So he says, let's look at three ways where we see one another. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, comfort one another. Colossians 3.13 says, forgive one another. Romans 15.7 says, accept one another. And then he has a really neat thing here. He says, substituting these three verbs, comfort, forgive, and accept for the word love that we see in John 13, 34, and 35, we get this, a declaration. Comfort, forgive, and accept one another. 
the design. As I have comforted, forgiven, and accepted you, so you must comfort, forgive, and accept one another. Distinction. All men will know that you are my disciples if you comfort, forgive, and accept one another. Do you understand what the author is saying here or what the ability to do here with these one another's? If we take the commandments of the one another's and then we put them in into the place of the word love there and we follow that same pattern, we can see clearly a roadmap or tools or design in how we are to carry out the command to love one another. So if I'm going to love you as my fellow believers and if I'm going to let others know that we belong to the Lord Jesus, then I have to comfort, forgive, and accept you. And so laying the groundwork as we go forward, this will be the pattern that we'll see. We'll talk about all the one another's and I have five of them to get through and so I have to cruise here. But each time we talk about the one another's, we can carry it back into this pattern and we can replace it into the passage here in John and understand that by doing these things, I am showing genuine love. And so then we don't have to be confused. It's not some out there concept of, well, how do I love? No, if I want to love you, then I'll comfort you. And so if I'm serious about loving you, the next time I see you, I'm going to intentionally, through the Spirit's power, say, next time I see Joe, I'm going to find a way to comfort him. You see what I'm saying? So let's carry that through as we work through the one another's. And so I have five one another's here that we'll work on. The first one we did already here, it's the, uh, well, here are the five that we'll go over. Love one another is the, the overriding concept. The next ones that we'll talk about are show hospitality to one another, minister to one another, care for one another, rejoice with one another. And so we can take these and put them back into that pattern that we saw. And we can go back and we can say that you have hospitality, that you minister and that you care for one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have hospitality and you minister and you care for one another. And so as we go through those, keep that in mind. Show hospitality to one another. So turn in your Bible, if you could, to that reference, 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. It's one of the one another's. And I, I'd like to thank Dr. Frank. He really laid out the outlines here and, and the, the pattern for, for this to follow, and he did a, a great job. We're very, very grateful for the time and effort he put into that. He uses his gift to show us love. Kind of neat. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9. I'd like us to do this, and this is for all those people who we learn very differently. And so what I'd like you to do with your pen next to in your outline, I'd like you to draw a small, you can doodle, I give you permission to doodle while I'm talking, a small little picture what each of these looks like. So if you want to do a stick figure, doing some sort of action or a little picture, uh, go ahead, a little picture right next to, you can doodle and draw while I'm talking, I'll let you to show what this action looks like, okay? I'm going to talk to Connor Jennings. I'm hoping that he will 
maybe agree to do a simple cartoon for each one and then we'll put them together and see how it looks. But for those of us that learn differently, this will help etch this into your mind, each of these things, hopefully. So for hospitality, think of what you're going to draw and then doodle it next to you. Show hospitality to one another. First Peter 4, 8 and 9. Let's read. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And here's the command. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. He had to add that in there, didn't he? Not only do we have to be hospitable to one another, but without complaint. Now, hospitality looks very different and, and, and has lots of different roles. Sometimes, what's the first thing that we think of when we think of hospitality sometimes? Food, that's right, yeah. And, and that's really a concept, you know, I, I remember my mom with the roast and I remember her like cruising out of church like right as soon as the speaker said amen because that roast was going to burn and she had company coming. Remember, and then we'd sit around the table and then we'd chat and everyone would go their way. But, that, you know, hospitality was demonstrated that way. And there's a lot of pressure on that. And so I, I, I want you to know that, that that is not the only concept of, that hospitality is. And, and I think uh, what hospitality here is talking about is the ability to provide a setting where you can minister to someone. The ability to entertain someone in, in such a way that, that you create the ability for spiritual ministry to take place. And by meeting their physical needs, you allow for a depth of, of spiritual ministry in that way. Hospitality requires sacrifice, doesn't it? It requires time. It requires money. And it requires a step out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? It's not always the most uh, exciting thing to think about people coming into our safety zone, our own home. And yet, nothing is more uh, personal than saying to someone, hey, I trust you. Well, that's not a correct statement. It's very personal, okay? When you make a bold statement like nothing is more personal, it's probably not true. It's very personal, isn't it, to invite someone into your house, into your home. And it's very personal even to invite someone into your life and into your family's life. And one of the key ways that we're told to, to show each other love is by inviting each other into our homes, into our lives, and to share that with people. Jesus' life, as we're looking at an example, was filled with hospitality. And yet what's interesting is uh, you don't, we, at least we don't read in the passage about countless times where Jesus is having people into his own home. Now, Jesus had his own home, but we know that from the, the life of Christ. But we understand that he, he has not, in the, in the scriptures, we don't see that Jesus' main hospitality being people coming into his own home. And yet we see several times where he invites people. He tells Zacchaeus that he's going to his house, that he's entering into this fellowship with him, and he's purposeful in his ministry. We see him feeding the, the 5,000, and he understands the need to meet people's physical needs in order to give them 
the spiritual comfort and understanding that there is a huge uh, trust that is built when we offer people hospitality, when we allow them to come into our, our zone. So I wanted to give some examples of what hospitality could look like, and I want it to be broad, but I want you to think of different ways, too, in which you can show love, in which you can show hospitality to one another. Examples here, if you don't want people to come into your home, if you feel like maybe they'd be too squished or you're nervous, invite someone out. Invite someone out to dinner or to lunch or to breakfast or to coffee or to a $1 ice cream cone at McDonald's if financially you're unable to. But invite, take the time to invite someone else out. Isn't it, doesn't it feel good when someone calls you and says, hey, I, I want to do something with you? Because what does that show? That shows not only are they willing to put themselves out there financially or make the sacrifice with time, but that they were thinking about me and they took intentional purpose to say, hey, I love that person enough that I'm going to invite them to a milkshake at McDonald's so that they know that they're valuable to me. It's important. Here's, here's a cool one. Plan a party to honor your friend. I thought that was unique. This is neat. Hospitality. Take food to a new neighbor. Bring flowers to work and share them. Now, men, you might have to be kind of careful and don't bring roses to like a girl at work. But here, bring flowers, bring a plant, all right? Bring, bring a plant and say to everyone, here, I brought this plant for everyone to enjoy. But there's, there's different ways. Here are different ideas that if you don't have your own home. And then, of course, the ways uh, that we, we can show hospitality. Of have, have people over to your house. Show them where you live. Provide a dinner. And I, I've been into so many of your homes because you've opened them up. I appreciate that. Have people stay with you. Uh, get, relieve their burden if they're traveling from having to pay the $100 that a hotel room is now and say, hey, stay with us. Our home is the Lord's. We want to open it up to you. Make that sacrifice. And I think you'll, you'll find that although it can be stressful and that it can cost you, there's joy if it's done with the, the goal to please the Lord. That is by no means exhausted. And so I, please think more on that. And I have to keep moving because we have all of them here. The third one is minister to one another. And a lot of these are so related. In fact, this one's so related that it's just the next verse down. Be hospitable to one another without complaint is verse 9. And then verse 10 has, says this. As each one has received a special gift. What do you think it's talking about there? A special gift. We call it what? A spiritual gift. As each one has received a spiritual gift, or that, that gifting that the Holy Spirit gives to each believer uh, that is unique to them, that allows them to serve the body, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The Bible calls us to minister to one another. Minister to one another. So it's not by accident that the, the call to hospitality precedes this call then to minister to one another. But I want to tell you something. If you are not using your spiritual gift, and we've talked about this a lot, if you're not using your spiritual gift to have impact on my life, on the rest of the body's life, then you are not functioning 
in the role that you're supposed to be functioning inside of this local body. Let's go this far. If you are refusing, either by just omission or consciously refusing, to use your spiritual gifts to serve the body, you are not showing love. You're being unloving. So that raises the standard, doesn't it? It means that I can't just show up on Sunday morning and be a, a warm seat and then go. If I'm going to follow Christ's intense command to love one another, then I have to be purposeful that I'm going to use my gifts to serve my brothers and sisters. You see, what I'm hoping starts happen as we examine each of these things is that we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we will begin to think differently about what our day looks like, that we'll begin to think differently about what it looks like to come to church and when we're gathered as a body, to think differently about when we interact with one another outside of church. See, because we've already given two very difficult things to do and we're just beginning. We've already said be hospitable to one another and now we're saying minister to one another. Very soon we'll say care for one another and then lastly today we'll say rejoice with one another. And so even today we're giving one, the main one, love one another, but then we're giving four examples of ways that we can very purposefully and intentionally impact the lives of our fellow believers. The problem is once you learn these things today and you know and you understand them, to not act on them then becomes sin. To not act on the call by the Lord Jesus to love one another is not just me keeping to myself. No, it's me not functioning as a disciple of Christ. So this is heavy. This is not just a hey, this is, this is fun to talk about thing. So minister to one another. Port, I want you to draw your picture of ministering to one another. I bet you that as you draw your picture, it may be the first thing you think of to draw may be one of your spiritual gifts that ends up being depicted in the picture that you'll draw there. But figure out what you are good at. Figure out the way that the Lord has gifted you And then think, how can I make an impact for the kingdom with this gift? I sure appreciate the way that that, uh, so many of you have have chosen to use your your gift of compassion and love and teaching with our kids down the hall. They are benefited by you taking the time to love one another, to love them. Think of where your gift is and use it. Don't let it sit idly. It's too important. It's too precious. And we've, we've had a whole series over that, so I won't stay too long on it. The fourth one is care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. We have several people in our body here that have the ability to take on the weight of of everything that that other people are are carrying. We have people that are gifted in in the spiritual gift of mercy and compassion, and they have the ability to take our hurts, and as we share them with these these people, 
and to take these weights on themselves as if it was their own. We have so many of, of, of these kinds of people in here, and it, it is a burden to be, uh, have the gift of mercy or the gift of compassion because uh, it hurts. It hurts to love people that way. It hurts to care for people in that way. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, we'll read what the command is here first. So that there may be, let's start in verse 24 for, for a little context, I'm sorry. Whereas our more pres- presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the, member, I'm sorry, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so this is, uh, he's talking about here on which uh, not showing favoritism to, to different people inside of the body of Christ. And he's saying that members need to have the same care for one another. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Isn't that interesting? That as a body that's connected by the Spirit of the High God, that when one of you hurts, we all hurt. When one of you is discouraged, in a sense, we're all discouraged. You see, we are connected in such a way that we are not independent. And what's going on in my life will have impact on the rest of you. And in this scenario, it's saying that we are supposed to care for one another. Here's a, the practical aspect that I'm going to ask ask of you. When is the last time that you sought someone out for the sole purpose of finding out what burden they have that you could carry for them? If we're going to be intentional and real about the commandment here to care for one another, then our mindset has to be I'm going to listen and I'm going to seek to be an encouragement for that person. Sometimes, and I'm, this is where I struggle, I, I struggle to talk about myself too much when I'm in personal conversation with someone or I just struggle to talk too much even if it's not about me. One of the real disciplines that I need to learn is to ask questions of someone to really start to be interested in one another's lives, to really start to care about what's going on in that individual's world, both in you know, what their job is like, what their family situation is, what their past is like, and how all of that impacts, the, how the material impacts the immaterial, their spiritual well-being. And what Jesus is saying when we love one another is that we have to be interested in one another. And we have to care about one another. It's really hurtful when you have something going on in your life and you get the feel that someone else doesn't care. 
You ever been there? Or you ever told someone a hurt and watched them be like, oh, that stinks. You know, rather, rather plainly and, and even maybe unintentionally where they just didn't enter into that pain with you. Or they just didn't enter into understanding where you were coming from. I feel like the unity, and it's not what I feel, the unity of the church, this is true, will improve if we learn to care for one another. If we're willing to ask one another, what, what's going on? How are you doing? How can I help? How can I pray for you? How can I carry you? We go back to the, the test or the last uh, piece of, of the verse that they will know you as my disciples by the way you love. Well, they will know us as his disciples by the way that we care for one another. And people that are looking on and seeing us care for one another are people that uh, we, we try as a, a church body to minister to and, and, and care for them. They're going to have definite questions about what makes us so different. Wrap up here. We have one minute. The last one here is in verse 26, so stay in that same passage. Keep reading. Remember to draw your picture of what caring for one another looks like. The last one, rejoice with one another. If one member is honored, this is the last part of verse 26, all the members rejoice with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Rejoice with one another. Bill Belichick on uh, a documentary about his... uh, career as a coach he's considered one of the great football coaches ever and his public appearance is this this guy that's just so stoic he barely talks he's a ventriloquist that he's at the podium he really, you know he just can't stand talking to the media uh, and yet when you see inside his life and inside his practices you start to get a feel of why he's such a good coach and why his players uh, play for him so well and in one circumstance and he's looking at a uh, film of the game and you'd think that a coach would only be worried with uh, the X's and O's, and yet inside of the, as he's studying the film, one of his players sacks the quarterback on the defensive line. And he says, wow, this is an amazing play. And he says, but you wouldn't know it. He said, look, he said, the guy that made the tackle, he understands it's amazing. He gets up, he's excited, and then he circles the three other guys on the defensive line that just kind of put their hands on their hip and walk back like nothing happened. And he said, listen. How selfish can you be? And he says, why are you not rejoicing with him? Why are you not encouraging that guy for his success? He says, he's excited about it. He understands it was great. He says, if you want to be a team, you cheer for each other. You encourage one another. And it was just mind-blowing to hear this guy that doesn't know the Lord, but understanding the concept that if you want to build unity and if you want to work together, you're going to rejoice with one another. So it's interesting. We're going to care for one another. We're going to cry with each other. And now here at the end of verse 26, we need to rejoice with one another. We need to celebrate each other. These are the only first four that we'll go over. There's more to come and and, uh, more depth in, in each of them to follow, I'm sure. But as an introduction here, wanting to, to make the point that it's not an option for us to carry out the one another's. Um, and oftentimes I, I feel so frustrated in even knowing how to love you guys and how I even feel loved by you. And yet this really takes out the ambigu- ambiguity, doesn't it? Because this paints a picture of the things that we need to do 
in order to show love, in order to genuinely love one another. So let's pray that the Lord will help us in this. Father, we uh, thank you that no one has ever loved us like you love us. We thank you, God, that you demonstrated your own love in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God, I'm so thankful that my eternity is fixed with you because of the great love that you showed me when you sent Jesus to the cross. Father, uh, what a waste my life would be if I lived for myself, if I continued to pull away from other people, if I continued to hide. God, we know the risk of loving is, is that we'll get treated like you got treated, Jesus, that, that we'll be abused for it, that we'll be betrayed, that we'll be uh, thrown off and, and ridiculed or, or really not appreciated. And yet the joy that awaits if we're willing in obedience to love one another the way that Jesus loves us is such an awesome promise. And so, God, we pray that as we go through this series that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds to be more like you. I pray for your uh, real, real help in this, Lord, because we all know that we cannot do this out of our own strength. It's an unnatural thing to love the way you love. So please, through your spirit, let us, let us be changed. In your name, amen.